We are this morning in the middle of a series called Driftwood Hope. Um, and in this series, we're kind of looking at it during a time where everything feels a little shipwrecked, where everything feels like maybe it's kind of gone wrong in some ways, where maybe you feel like your life has just been dashed on the rocks and everything is way unexpected. It's not the way that it's supposed to be. And so we're taking this time and we're listening to the stories of people who also had the same experience, that in the Bible, Bible, their life also didn't turn out the way that they expected, where their life sort of crashed onto the rocks and they were left there hanging onto a piece of driftwood trying to also cling to hope. And our hope is that maybe by listening to their story, we might find a little bit of hope in our own, that we too may learn and experience what it looks like to cling to hope when all you have is some driftwood. Now, in this next story is found in the Gospel of John. And we're told about a woman whose name was Martha, who was clinging to driftwood and desperately waiting for Jesus to show up. Now, from the other Gospels, we know that Martha was a Christ follower, that she loved Christ and she would do anything for him. We also know that she was an incredibly hard worker. And when she wanted something done, she wanted it done now. And so when her brother became ill, when her brother Lazarus was on the brink of death, it was no different. She wanted him to be healed and she wanted him to be healed now. She had tried everything herself to heal him. I imagine that she had done everything. She had bathed him and she had kept him rested and she had given him the best food and she had sat vigil at his bedside both night and day waiting for signs of health to arrive. She had done everything in her power and in her control to make the situation better. If only Jesus was here. If only he was here. He would make the pain stop. Not only Lazarus's, but, but her own. See, Jesus loved her and her brother and her other sister Mary so much. But also, Jesus had power. Jesus had power and Martha had seen it. She had seen it and she had heard of the other things that she hadn't seen. She had seen and she had heard of him having control over this natural world that he had turned water into wine, that he had walked on water, that he had taken a few loaves of bread and he had multiplied them to feed 5,000 people. But she had also seen and she also had heard that he had control over people's bodies, that, that he had healed a Roman centurion's son he, he, she had heard that he had taken this paralyzed man and, and given him the ability to walk. She had seen and she had heard that there was a blind man on the side of the road and, and he had given him sight. If only Jesus was here, he could fix this so that Lazarus and Martha and Mary could, could move on with the rest of their life. But as the days continued, things with Lazarus had only gotten worse. 
and Martha and Mary now were certain that Jesus was the only one that could do anything to help. Surely if Jesus had known that his dear friend Lazarus, who he loved, was ill, surely he would be here. And so they knew the only thing to do was to send a message. They had to get word to Jesus to tell him, listen, your friend's sick. So they pulled the messenger aside and they said, listen, this is all you have to say. All you have to say is, Lord, the one you love is sick. He'll know what to do. He'll know what that means. And so off the messenger went and Martha and Mary waited. If only Jesus was here. He could stop this suffering. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever longed for Jesus to just be here, to be in the moment of pain and suffering? Because you knew that if he was here, he could fix it. You knew that if he was here, he would take away the pain or take away the discomfort, that he would make it all better. Maybe for some of us, that discomfort that we have felt is is the pain of of a loved one being ill, just like Martha's. Or maybe it was a job sort of teetering. You're not sure if it's going to work out or not. Or a relationship that always seems sort of in this precarious balance that you can't figure out. And you're like, Jesus, if you would just be here, then it'd all be fixed. Or maybe the pain and discomfort is actually from sort of this disease that's ravaging, ravaging the nations. Maybe you know people who have fallen ill or you're still in this moment of thinking, I'm not sure whether there is a danger or isn't a danger, but if Jesus would just be here, then it would all go away. Maybe you've cried out to Jesus to relieve the weight of the constant bombardment of news that yet another person was mistreated by someone who was supposed to protect them. Maybe the heaviness is the pain and discomfort of injustice that is around in the whole world. The injustice of oppression, the injustice of marginalized people and poor and immigrants being pushed to the side. And you're just thinking, Jesus, I just want you to take it all away. If you were here, it would be better. Maybe you just want Jesus to come and sort of scoop us all up from 2020 and deliver us to 2023, where we're sure that everything is going to be better. You just kind of want to fast forward through this whole thing. Now, that's what Martha wanted. Martha sat there in front of Lazarus, sitting quietly over him, and she waited and she watched and she prayed. It must have felt like 50 times a day she looked up from his body out the window, down the road on the horizon to see, is is Jesus here yet? Has he come? But Lazarus' breath just got heavier and heavier and heavier until finally between glances looking up at the road to see, is Jesus come yet? She notices that Lazarus takes his last and final breath. And she lets out this heavy wail as she throws herself on top of her brother as Mary sits at his feet and weeps. If Jesus had been here, this wouldn't have happened. 
Why? Why didn't he come? Why wasn't he here? And after a day and a night of sitting in sort of this pain of death, sobbing nearly uncontrollably, Mary and Martha begin to make the preparations for Lazarus's body, for him to be buried, but still, no word from Jesus. Now, Martha rationalized in her head every obstacle that could have kept him away. Maybe, maybe he never got the message. Maybe that was it. Maybe something happened along the way. Or, or maybe the Jews, maybe the Jews finally found cause to arrest him. Maybe they got him. Or, or maybe, maybe he just doesn't love us as much as I thought he did. Maybe that was it. And so four or five days, almost every doubt and every question rose to Martha's mind except one. There was one thing she never doubted. If Jesus had been here, he could have fixed it. He ne she never doubted the power that Jesus had to do something about it. If only he was there. And then pulling her out of her spiral of thinking and questioning and doubts, someone leans over to Martha and says, Jesus is here. What? Martha hops to her feet and her legs take her down the road as fast as she can. And she falls at the feet of Jesus. As she reaches him, this overwhelming emotion spills forth in these words that she's been holding onto for days. She says, my Lord, my Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I never doubted for one second that if you asked, God would give it to you. I never doubted that. I know that you could have taken away all the pain and all the suffering and all the illness. I know that you could have fixed everything if only you were here. And putting his arms on Martha's shoulders, Jesus looks at her and gently says, your brother will rise again. And all who heard Jesus, both Martha and Mary and the Jews who were there and Jesus's followers all heard that. And what Martha said confirmed what they also believed. Martha said, I know, I know he will rise again at the resurrection on the last day, which is sort of the modern day equivalent of saying, I know I'm gonna see him again in heaven. I know that. Now this moment must have ripped Jesus's heart in pieces. He loved her so much and he hated to see her in this much pain from the devastation that surrounded her. But he knew, he knew that the only way for her to truly see him, for her to know him in all of his fullness, in all of his glory, to experience the fullness of his resurrection power was to participate in this suffering. So Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Now, I wonder what Jesus' facial expression would have been like in this moment. 
Like we know from the coming verses that Jesus was devastated. He was incredibly sad. We know that when Mary runs out of the house and falls at Jesus's feet and says nearly the same thing that Martha did, Lord, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus bawls, he weeps, he falls down with her and he cries overcome with sadness. We also know that Jesus was angry. We're told that in that moment, he was also angry. He was angry at death. He was angry because death was never the plan. Death was not in the natural order of creation. When he created things, everything was supposed to live for eternity. Death was a result of brokenness entering into the world and sin entering in the world. So we know that he was sad and we know that he was angry. But in this moment, We're in the middle of all of Martha's pain and anguish and discomfort. She declares that she sees and knows who Jesus really is. I wonder what Jesus' face was actually like. The pride and the joy of knowing that Martha sees him and knows who he is. The love that he not only feels for her, but the love that she feels For him, the excitement about what is about to happen. And so Jesus walks over to the tomb where Lazarus' body had been placed. And with this roaring voice, he commands, take the stone away. And Martha, the very one who had just declared him Lord and Messiah and the Son of God says, no, 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 wait, you you can't do that. It's been four days since he's been in the tomb. There's gonna be a terrible smell. See, she doesn't know what Jesus is about to do. She doesn't know that Jesus is about to do something incredible. All she has experienced is death, but Jesus wants her to experience the power of the resurrection. And so they took the stone away and this terrible smell wafted over the crowd, but Jesus looked up and thanked his heavenly father, Thank you, Father, for hearing me. You always hear me, but what I am saying now is so that everybody around here, Martha and Mary and my disciples and the Jews, so they can hear me too, and they might see you and believe. And then Jesus speaks, Lazarus, come out! And you can see it on the faces of every person that's standing there. Their mouths drop open, bated breath, hanging in the air, looking side to side. Wait, what? What did he just say? Is he serious? Is this really happening? And all eyes fix on the tomb where a man covered in grave clothes from his head to his toes walks past the stone and past the entrance and out of the grave. I can just imagine Martha in that moment, her stomach dropping to the floor thinking, is it really him? Could it really be my brother? Is Lazarus really alive? And she runs over to him and it is, it is, it is him and he is alive. It's him. Jesus was there. Now, so often we want our pain and our suffering to just be fixed, 
to just go away. We want the pandemic and the death tolls and the politics and the oppression and the injustice and our news filled with terrible, horrible things to just be removed. Go away. Because sitting in it all is just too uncomfortable and it's too painful. We just want it to be over. And so we do things like we pray, Jesus, if you were here, this would just be fixed. We cry out, God, where are you? How long will it take for you to come? Why won't you come? Because the reality is, is we can't see God in the middle of the pain and the suffering. Sometimes, Jesus makes us wait in the discomfort and the pain because it's only in those moments where we can see who God really is. It's only in those moments where we can see the fullness of his resurrection power. See, we all wanna see God working in his resurrection, but very few of us want to experience the death and the suffering. We want to experience the resurrection and radical change, but we don't want to sit in the pain or the discomfort. We don't want death. We want resurrection, but death and resurrection, they come together. Martha couldn't experience the resurrection of Lazarus and without his death, and Jesus couldn't experience his resurrection without his death, and we can't either. See, there's a moment in Martha's story where Jesus is weeping outside of the tomb. And all the Jews that were watching whispered to one another, could he not open the eyes of the blind? Could, he not, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? It's sort of the same jeer that was tossed at Jesus while he himself suffered on the cross. The crowd said, he saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come on down from the cross so that we may all see and believe. See, the thing is, is that Jesus had the power to keep Lazarus from dying. And he had the power to take himself off the cross. He has the power to end the suffering and the pain but he allowed Lazarus to die and he surrendered himself to death, suffering on the cross so that we would not only believe that he has the power for us to escape death, but that resurrection in the midst of death is inevitable. So that we would not only believe that he could keep tragedy from happening, but that even in the midst of tragedy, of disease and injustice, that even those things cannot keep the fullness of the power and the glory of the resurrected king from coming. And when we participate in Christ's suffering, we actually experience resurrection like Christ did. And that's when we all know him in his fullness. See, Paul said it this way. He said, I wanna know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. When we become like Jesus in his death and his suffering, when we experience suffering and pain, somehow we mysteriously and supernaturally also attain 
resurrection. That when we participate in Christ's suffering, we're positioned like Martha to really see who Christ is, to know the fullness of his power of his resurrection. And as much as we just want to experience resurrection without death, we can't. See, if you want to experience the liberation and the freedom of oppressed people groups, then you have to stand in solidarity with them. You don't get to escape that. And you can't do that without feeling oppressed. And if you want to see the eradication of a deadly disease, you have to continue to face the reality that that disease is present. And you can't do that without incredible discomfort and uncertainty. And if you want to experience the power and the glory of our Heavenly Father in every area of your life, you have to experience His suffering with him so that you can watch him say, take the stone away, come out. See, Jesus is not just with us in the moments of resurrection. Jesus is with us in the moments of pain and suffering just as much as he's with us in the resurrection. So here's what I'm asking. Here's what this text kind of compels us to do. When you feel pain and discomfort and suffering, we can't just wish that all away. We can't just wish that it would just be a race, that if Jesus would come, it wouldn't happen. Instead, what this compels us to do is to ask that that pain and that suffering would do what it's supposed to do that would finish its work, that we wouldn't just hear a new quietness, that we wouldn't just not talk about the bad things that are going on anymore, but instead that we would sit and we would wait in them and ask God to do what he's trying to do in the midst of the pain and the suffering. That our pain and suffering wouldn't just be anesthetized, but that the broken pieces of our, of our society would not just be quieted once again but that Jesus would come in all of his fullness and we would experience the power of the resurrection. See, all of this pain and this suffering and this discomfort that you might be experiencing, it's actually an invitation to know Christ in his suffering so that the fullness of the power and glory of the resurrection might arrive. Now this morning, I'm going to ask you to engage in this invitation through the act of communion. In communion, there, there's two elements. There's the cup, which represents Christ's blood that has been shed for us. And, and the bread that represents his body that has been broken for us. These elements are symbols of suffering and death. And yet they are also symbols of the power of resurrection. And so my invitation to you today is that as we take communion, that this moment would be a moment for you where you would say, Jesus, I don't want to just be rescued from the pain. I don't want to just have it quieted or, or have it go away. I want it to do the fullness of what you desire it to do. And so whether that is the pain of, of sitting in the middle of this pandemic 
or sitting with an oppressed people group or whatever it is in your life that you would have this moment with Jesus and you would talk to him and you would say, okay, I'm going to walk into the suffering with you. I'm gonna keep pressing in. I'm not gonna run away from this because what I ultimately want in my life is to experience your resurrection. And so God, I'm leaning in. I walk with Christ in this suffering and in this pain because Christ walks with me in his resurrection and in my resurrection. So let's take. On the night before Jesus died, he gathered his followers and his disciples around. And he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that has been broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood that has been poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Father God, it's really hard. It's really hard sometimes to lean into the pain and the suffering, especially when it feels like you're not here. Father, would you give us eyes to see who you really are, that you're not just here in the resurrection moments, you're here in the suffering, and we know that by the symbol of the cross, we know that by the symbol of communion that you walked through suffering and death. And we as your followers will lean into it too. And so Father God, would you transform our hearts because it is nothing within our power that can do this. It is only because of your Holy Spirit in us that we can bear the pain and the discomfort and the suffering that you call us to. And Father, we do ask We do ask that you would do all that you were called to do. We do ask that you would do everything that you are trying to accomplish in the midst of this pain and this suffering. We ask that you would do it fully and completely, that your kingdom would come to earth, that we would see resurrection happening in our country, in our government, in our people in our community, in our congregation, in our healthcare system, in our education system, in our policing system, in the ways that we love each other well. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And we will sit with you and we will lean in until your resurrection comes. We pray all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, knowing that it is by the power of the Holy Spirit that this happens. Amen.